Welcome back. You are listening to Joygasm, a video game and movie podcast. I'm Russ, Xbox Live Toaster360. He is Steve, Xbox Live Steven Rich. And we're so happy that you decided to join us today on June 24th, 2021. This is, in fact, episode 229. And we've got a fun show in store for you. But first... Make sure you cattle prod that subscribe button, maybe goose that notification bell. That way you won't miss a single episode of Joygasm, which, by the way, drops once a week on YouTube and your favorite podcast provider. Our topic of the day is Luca, which dropped, I believe it was last week, right? Or it was... Was it this um, week or last week? No, it was uh, was the end of last week. End of last week. Yeah. Right. Right. It'd be fun to uh, get into that. But first things first, I want to know what's going on in your world. What's going on in the world of Steve? I finished a game, Russ. You finished a game. Can I I guess? Sure. Final Fantasy VII Remake? That's right. Oh! What do I win? Um, Your admiration? A good game on the rump of your rear. (laughs) Yeah! Put a W in that <laughs> slot right there. <laughs> Congratulations. Yeah, it was a pain in the butt. It's Russ. challenging, isn't it? It was a pain in the butt. I don't remember the original one. Such pain in that one, Rosa. Well, the first one was pretty challenging, too, if I well, recall correctly. The first one had its challenging bits. But I don't remember so many sequential boss fights all in a row just to get out of uh, Midgar. I don't remember like boss fight, boss fight, boss fight. What's that? Boss fight? Okay. They make you earn it, don't they? Golly. But the question is, would you rather have the sequential boss fights or running around looking for cats? Yeah, that is true. Well, I would like to enjoy the level too. I, I remember I, I did, I feel like I enjoyed the original Final Fantasy VII more, at least towards the end, than I did this one. I think the Well, original, they changed some things around from the original. Yeah, yeah. I, you think so? Well, the reason I say that is I'm curious since you've played through the original, yeah. this part mm. of the game when like you're clearly at the end of Midgar and everything else, is it very different or is it? I don't remember this happening at the end. <laughs> I could be wrong. My memory could be a bit hazy. There could be some whispers or wisps. Well, what about what about like the, those huge galactic looking entities that you were fighting in this one? Were yeah. they in the original? I don't think they were. I don't think they were, Russ. Um, I mean, the last search on YouTube, the last boss fight. Well, for example, I don't, you don't fight Sephiroth. I did read about that. Yeah. I mean, you fight him, you know, towards the end, spoiler alert, but I mean, you do fight him towards the end. You just kind of see him every once in a while pop up. I mean, you, you see him more in this game than you do in the original. Like he didn't pop up that many times. Cloud had some memories of him. But he didn't like come through and start haunting him and taunting him and, and all that stuff. That no, Roth. Oh. That didn't happen. That didn't happen. So no, it was uh it was a pain in the patootie. I um But I you was, persevered. I persevered. Yeah. Congratulations, Steve. So I'm glad to be out. I um I you know, I'm still 
still holding out that on the Sony show, they're going to show the next Final Fantasy. I'm still holding out, Russ. I think they have to. I think they can't wait too much longer. I mean, the excitement is still there with sure. this game. I figure they, they got to keep the momentum going, you know, especially since they're going to bring one out every once in a while instead of slamming us with the, the full game. They got to keep bringing them out. I don't know. I agree. You know, they can't wait too long. You know what I'm saying? They might have a little something, something. I have a feeling that now that they've gotten some time and to be able to mm. work on the, the continuation, it's not like they're having to build their engine from nothing. They've already right. got the engine good to go. They're just creating content and right. story and that sort of thing. So I could see them maybe dropping something in July plus, or August. Plus, Square did have the, Gal- the, the Guardians of the Galaxy. That was going to be available for both systems. Final Fantasy ain't available for both systems. So right. it's not like they, you know, had to show it at that point in the E3. Yeah. They could wait for, they could wait for Sony. It could happen, Steve. It Russ. could happen. And then I did something else. What did you do, Steve? You know what I did, Rod? I have no idea. <gasps> Tell me. I watched The Bodyguard. That is a good movie. That's a classic right I there. I haven't seen that movie in years. Years. I have not seen that movie in years think, either. I don't think wifey has seen it at all. Your wifey hasn't seen much of anything, Steve. It kind of well, makes for a fresh experience for you to be able to introduce mm-hmm. her to so many classic films. She has seen a lot of uh, scary movies. She oh. likes the scary movies. Are you talking about the comedy called Scary Movie that has no. like four or five I'm sequels? talking like... The Conjuring. The Conjuring. Russ. Yeah, I have a feeling that that attracts uh, more of the female uh, moviegoer. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. But anyhow, The Bodyguard is just as good, if not better, than it was last time. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, it's a great Absolutely movie. Absolutely fantastic. Yeah, young Kevin Costner, young Whitney Houston. I thought Whitney Houston was hot in that piece. movie. Yeah. You, I had, a, I had, had a, a little bit of a uh, boyhood crush mm. on uh, Whitney Houston. Indeed. I fantasized I was the bodyguard. But then I noticed <laughs> he gets Can shot. I, and I'm like, well. Can I be your bodyguard, <laughs> Whitney Houston? I, I know be- I'm only 10. I believe that movie came out in 1993 or 1992. It was, right, it was early 90s, 92 or 93. If that was the case, then I was probably around 12 or 13 years old. So it's more like, huh? Ah, yeah. <laughs> I'm your bodyguard. Hi. Uh, uh, nice to meet you. I don't know what's happening here. Uh, would you like fries with that? Uh, yeah. <laughs> I've got this horrible breakout on my face. Oh, boy. Anyway, a great movie, though. Yes. Um, yeah, that, that is one I need to watch again. I'm glad that you brought that up because I don't even know if I've even watched. I probably haven't. I don't think I've watched it with my wife. I know if she, she's seen it. It's a fantastic movie. It really is. Very, very good. I would I would suggest seeing it again, Russ. It was, it's been a while. It's been a while since you've seen it. Absolutely. And, I mean, Amazon has, has had it for a while, but it's always been like, yeah, you want to watch it? Five bucks. Come on. I'm like, yeah, I'm going to hold out. I'm going to wait. And it was uh, for free 99. I'm like, yes, honey, we're watching a movie tonight. (laughs) Oh, boy. So uh, lastly, though, uh, before I hand it off to you, Mm. I was playing a little bit more Resident Evil Village. Resident Evil Village. Okay, so where are you now? I just killed the sisters. 
Okay. All of them. All three. Yes. You have a long way to go, sir. Long way to go. <sighs> and you know, I found some extra lock picks. Oh. Now be, be judicious with those lock picks because <laughs> there were certain places that remained locked because I just simply could not find another lock pick to unlock it. Right. I don't I don't know if it, I was just I don't know, not good at searching the entire area. I feel like I did a pretty thorough mm. job though. I mean, I was taking my time going around, but there I, I think there might be a finite amount of lock picks and so you have to really be careful which you know, little closets or dressers or foot lockers you decide to open. I will say the first one I opened, I was lucky because I I was just any midi mighty mo. And then it was like, oh here's a here's the muzzle to your handgun. I'm like, ah sweet. <laughs> See, okay, I don't, got it. Was it a silencer no, or it was else? more like just like I think it's I don't know what it is, Russ. Mm-hmm. It's not really not a silencer. But um the other two I had were uh like just ammo. Mm. Like here's some uh, shotgun ammo, and here's something else, and um, at, and and now the lady Demetrius or whatever her name is, she's following me around everywhere. Yes, and I escaped to the the room Dimitris. and uh, where, where the typewriter is, and she stands there and looks at me, and I'm like, I'm in the doorway, like you want to come over? Oh yeah, and I I tried to shoot her a couple times, it doesn't work. Not from there. <laughs> there is someone who I think was playing the game on the PC, and I think they modded the weapon that he was carrying around. Like, instead of a knife, it was a fly swatter. Oh, I've seen that one. Yeah, he started <laughs> swatting her in the booty. Oh, so funny. <laughs> yeah, she uh, she startled me on a number of occasions as I was playing through that game. Uh, I don't think you've had a, very many encounters with her yet. Um, I, I've just seen her walking around. And yeah. she's, you know... Oh, you'll get more up close and personal later. Um, man. But I am glad to be done with the sisters, though, because they were annoying. I didn't know what to do with them. And I was running around, and I kept on dying. And like, oh! <laughs> I'm like, crap. Here we go. Run, 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 I'm dead. I'm dead. I will have you know that I am sorely missing like you and I being able to sit together on the couch and watch you play this game. Like, like I even said before this game came out that ideally I want to be able to sit with him on the couch because of old time's sake. I've literally watched almost every resident evil game that he has played from Mm. start to finish. Well, (sighs) Russ, and you're not even streaming it. I'm not. Oh, that's because Twitch doesn't work on my Xbox. It only works on my PlayStation. Weird. I don't know why. Weird. Anyhow, but we did Twitch some Overwatch. We did. Which was freaking fantastic. That was a lot of fun. That was a lot of fun. We were doing the Capture the Flag Blitz, which I had a... Awesome. I had a dandy old time. I actually got... Dandy Lion. I got quite a few play of the games during that entire evening. Which is weird, because like I may may get like one or two during the course of like two hours of play or something like that. You are the one who typically gets like 75% of uh, play of the games. But Mm -hmm. uh, in this instance, though, man, I was uh, was popping up. Yeah, I was playing mostly of uh, Moira, which... And when, when you're in the Blitz, you're in kind of more tight corridor area sort of yeah. thing. So I can kind of ricochet off her little, <laughs> little ball of doom all over the place and, and uh, spray paint people yellow. And heal it. <laughs> you need some healing? 
You have yeah. been playing her more lately, and I think you've you've gotten pretty comfortable with her skill set. You know I have, Russ. Oh, you know I have. One of the things I have not seen you do is yes. her ultimate. I was doing it. I'm sure you were, Ugh. but I think I've been so conditioned to hear her like yell her thing, like I don't the gale of the vault or whatever it is that she says. But I don't <laughs> think she yells it as loudly or if at all when you're on the same team. I assume it's, she still I think does. It, I think it sounds different. I, she, she the, each character says a different thing. Yeah. Like if you're on the opposing team versus you know the your allies. I mean, like I main as Farah a lot, and whenever I do my ultimate, I mean she belts it out regardless on which side of the team you are on. Yeah, of course. But with, with um, Moira, I'm like, what did, did she say anything? Is she not? It might just be because I'm in the air. So I'm, I'm just not within like the, the audio radius or something like that. I, I mean, I, I figured you'd be using your ultimate. Have you, have you been having a lot of luck with it? Not so much with the ultimate. I have to be pretty far away because she's, you know. Okay. Yeah. So what will happen is, uh, I mean, you're supposed to be far away because that's why the stream is so long because you're supposed to hit people from a far distance and your allies are supposed to maybe get in line too. So they can be healed while the enemy's being hurt. I so if, if you're too close to somebody, then all you're doing is hurting that one person, but yeah. you're not, you know, healing as well as hurting. It's supposed to do both. I see. Indeed, Rosa. It was fun. It was fun but I won't take up much more time, Russ. What about you? I have been having fun with Ratchet and Clank. Have you? Rift apart. I actually have been playing on, um, well, I've been streaming the game on YouTube. I saw. You? Oh, did you? I did. Ha have you creeped in and, and taken a little look-see from time to time? Well, what I did was, uh, I think I got you right when you left. You, I, it came up on my phone like, huh, oh, Joey Gazin is streaming right now. Ratchet and Clank. <laughs> I'm like, yes. <laughs> and so then I, I went back and I clicked on it and it brought it up, but it, it had, it was only like 25 minutes long and you had, I had finished. Oh. So I, I went all the way to the end and then this screen just went dark. I went, oh, well, I guess he's done then. So you, you couldn't rewind it and watch. Oh, I, I could rewind it, but I thought you were going to be live. Oh, okay. Well, I mean, I, I, I was. Um, but yeah, there were, there were multiple times when I was live, uh, for hours and I was playing it quite a bit. This game, by the way, is a lot of fun. Like this is the first Ratchet and Clank game I have played. I've seen it advertised for years on the different PlayStation consoles. I've never actually picked it up, but I've always had it in the back of my mind about like, you know, one of these days I want to try this game out because the right. characters look appealing. The world looks really cool. The weapons look totally imaginative and everything else. And I'm just really happy that like I, I my first foray into Ration and Clank is on the PS5. So, I mean, it, it is a lot of fun to be able to, to go through all that. It's interesting because the gameplay mechanics are the classic action platformer type. Like there's, there's not a lot of um, new approaches to some of the subject material other than the, the rift itself. Like, like, you know, if you want to try, if you see like some kind of rift in the distance, you, you, you press the L one button and then all of a sudden it, like you essentially like drag this like dimensional <laughs> portal. Yeah. It, I mean, it's, it's kind of, <laughs> it's kind of weird. <laughs> Uh, but overall, I mean, it is really easy to be able to get to grips with. I'm having a blast unlocking all the different weapons. They have this weapon system where you see like the, this, uh, this robotic clerk and she's got a great voice by the way. Um, 
And over time, like as you get farther and farther into the game, um, I don't know if it's based off of game progression or if it's based off of like how many credits you earn or whatever else. But the whole way it works is, is that like the, these weapons will become unlocked in a sequential manner and they get more and more expensive as you go along. So I've ended up being pretty conservative with like how I do my spending. And I've really, I've really only purchased about like five weapons to give you an idea. Like I think there have been like 10 to 15 additional weapons that have been unlocked. I just haven't bought it yet. So it's, it's kind of funny how, um, that, side effect does exist for me personally. Cause I was just watching and I'm like, okay, I don't want to have to, you know, go out and like, like blow all my, my budget on all these weapons that do look cool. But when I, all of a sudden, like there'll be one that gets unlocked, that's like super expensive and I can't afford it. And I right. don't know if I have a finite amount of money throughout the game or if I can unlock everything at the end. I have no idea. I imagine your money is pretty finite, Russ. It could be. I imagine it is. And not only that, but then you can also upgrade the weapons as well, which is pretty interesting because <laughs> <laughs> I saw something. <laughs> I told you oh, never man. call me again. Get yeah. out of here. <laughs> Nine feet away. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, it's like this weird hand starts coming in. <laughs> yeah, for those who, who don't know what's going on, if you're, if you're listening on like Stitcher or SoundCloud or something, Russ is playing around with some of the, the camera equipment that's brand spanking new. And I was uh, reaching over into his bubble, if My you were. Space. And um, actually, I probably should have just given you a wet willy. She's a win for it. I have a feeling we're going to be having a lot of fun with this when it goes yeah. back and forth. I mean, if I say, you know, <laughs> focus on me. Now focus on us. Now back to me. Now back to us. Now back to me. I'm, I'm gonna, dizzy. We're, we're going to be having a lot of fun with that. <laughs> Not to mention, fact, Actually, I, th I think there's going to be like lots of like in the the personal space well, antics when you click it over and, and like your face is there. I'm like, I want to reach to the TVs right there. <laughs> <laughs> this this is where the oh, whole sibling man. dynamic will uh, <sighs> really shine. I think technology, Russ. Anyway. I've been having a really fun time with this game. I'm probably about 75% of the way through it. The mm. worlds themselves, I really feel like like you need to come over at some point and just check out, because especially now that I've unlocked a lot of the stages, the nice thing about the game is that you get in your ship and then you can go back to the places you've already cleared because right. they have like optional quests and stuff like that. So at least you can get an idea of what the environments yeah. look like. Sure thing, Ross. Really, really nice. I've continued reading the creativity book that I introduced you to. Yes. A little while back. Right. And I have made a discovery, Steve. Yeah? Someone left a snot rocket in there? Uh, no. Ooh. <laughs> no. All the pages? No, 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 no. No, I was looking on the uh, HBO Max platform. <laughs> and I just did a search for Harley Quinn. Yes. And... I didn't know this, but like if you go on HBO Max, there are at least four, maybe five different series that is either designed from the ground up for HBO Max or was from somewhere else. And HBO just happens to have it because they have like the Warner Brothers mm. partnership. So it's, it's pretty interesting. And I've been watching this one called Harley Quinn and um, is she in it? 
Uh, surprisingly, yes. <laughs> However, it, it is interesting because it's a more like adult swim type of cartoon. Like they're all cartoons. All the Harley Quinn stuff you see on there are animated. Sure. But it has like like the the filthy language and and all Ooh. that kind of stuff. Like like it's it's very different. It's not like the the typical Harley Quinn that you would see like from Batman the animated series. It takes a much more kind of adult comedy satire approach. Very popcorn munching. Yeah. Ooh yeah. Cost some more. <laughs> oh yeah. Your dirty boss. Yeah. Keep going. <laughs> <laughs> oh, she's got a filthy mouth. <laughs> Speaks like a sailor. That one. Yeah. So anyway, I've been having a lot of fun with that. And um, I don't even know how many, I think there are two or three seasons already in the bag. So I'm playing catch up on that. Mm. Also, speaking of catching up with episodes. So I watched Loki episode two. I watched that one. Sorry, I forgot to tell you. What'd you think? Uh, I like it. it. It is. So the show is not so much action packed. It's more drama, I guess. More dialogue. But it's not necessarily a bad thing because... Hashtag Tom Hiddleston, but um, <laughs> oh, my. oh, but I, uh, anyhow, no, I'm, I'm enjoying it though. Oh, good. Yeah. I have been enjoying it as well. And I have not seen the, what is it? The episode three that dropped this week. I'm hoping to do that momentarily. So mm. maybe after this recording. Is that a swamp monster? No, it's the topic of the day! film came out earlier last week. It's the latest offering from Pixar that has become available on both Disney Plus as well as the movie theaters. In fact, I'm very curious to yes. know which one will make more of a profit. Will it be Disney Plus or will it be the movie theater? The theater. The theater. Mm. Yes, indeed. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Steve, I figure we do what we do always when it comes to movie reviews. Give our high-level thoughts spoiler-free before yeah. taking the spoiler elevator down below to spoiler territory. Sure thing. And giving a more deep analysis of our thoughts on the film. Go ahead, Steve. Well, I thought this movie was pretty chill. Um, but that's kind of the high and low of it. Awesomely. I mean, it's... It's not... It doesn't go very many places. Like, there's nothing that's gonna make you feel on the edge of your seat or teach you anything about yourself or life necessarily, you yeah. know? Um, I think that this is one of those movies where it's not a bad movie by a long shot. It's just not necessarily the Pixar standard. Sure. So maybe comparatively to other movies, it's fairly decent, but comparatively to Pixar classics, it's... Substandard, I guess you could say. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I've heard some people compare it to the good dinosaur. 
I think I like Luca better than the good I dinosaur. I still haven't seen the good dinosaur. Uh, let's go ahead and watch it, Russ. Why don't you watch that one? I'll watch it tonight. I'll see what I can do. Um, and so uh, that being said, I mean, it, it is colorful. It is, it is fun. Um, I, I wish there was more in it, like, you know, more, um, you know, Pixar music, um, more that we could see with the environments. The environments are gorgeous. Um, maybe more in depth of the story. <laughs> I, I think I, it just felt like it was a bit shallow. Oh, um, <laughs> I see what he did there. <laughs> Anyhow, uh, so not to get into spoilers, but uh, that that's that's basically the premise of the of, of the movie. You're not going to be disappointed. You're just not going to be amazed. Sure, absolutely. What'd you think? I do agree with you to a certain extent in that I don't think that this was necessarily Pixar's best, and hmm. I say that because when it comes to Pixar's, I mean Pixar has. So many films in their catalog that are easily five stars. Like, like you go through it and, and it's almost like those movies are almost life changing to people who go see it. I mean, you leave the movie feeling inspired and reflective of your own life and maybe some of the, the same types of conflicts that you just witnessed in the movie, that sort of thing. Um, and, and they can be applied to, to something that happened in the, in real life, that sort of thing. And I don't think this film was on that same level. You know, I think that when it comes to, um, what they had, it still was an enjoyable movie. I, th I mean, I had a lot of fun. I, I think it was, it was fun to be able to, um, be taken to this this place that was located in Italy. I, I love the the setting of it. I love the the art style, the art direction and whatnot, which we'll get into a bit more later. But I think that overall, like like it was a a delightful film. I just think that if you're looking or wondering, is this going to be like on the same level as like you know Monsters Inc. or Finding Nemo, something like that? I don't think it's going to be necessarily at that particular level. I think almost they th figured it was going to be like that, though. They, meaning Disney and, and Pixar, because this movie didn't really have much marketing behind it. I mean, usually when, when they know a movie's good or they want a good turnout, they'll really push, like, the advertising. You'll see it on YouTube and you'll see it everywhere. Mm. And quite honestly, I never saw another trailer after we had reviewed the trailer. And I clicked on Disney+. Plus. I was actually looking for the next episode of The Bad Batch <laughs> uh, that I was going to watch. And then, you know, it, it headlined of uh, Luca. And that's when I texted you. I'm like, you knew this movie was out? Like, what? I didn't, you know, I didn't even sure. know. Yeah. So, and that, I wonder if that was, uh, what, that was the case where some Disney execs went, yeah, this is not going to be up to everyone's standard. We're just going to kind of save the old marketing budget in our back pocket. Well, and I think that's difficult to know for sure just because COVID is still in existence, unfortunately, like, like life has not returned to normal yet. Right. And so they're, they're going through this weird transition hybrid where like they're making, like I mentioned earlier in the program, the movie is available both on Disney plus and mm. in the movie theaters. And I think they're one of the major reasons why they did that was because people simply haven't returned to the theater in mass yet. Like you've had some people come back, but I think in order for them to really kind of get a return on the, on, on the expected investment. That's probably why they're doing it. Well, but they're still putting the movie out. That's the thing. Like they wouldn't put it out just to see what happens. I mean, you would think that 
with both studios that they would say, okay, we're done with our product. Give us money. And therefore we're going to make the awareness that we are releasing it. And so people can, can watch it to me. I just didn't notice it. And I, I think too, in terms of the advertising, I just don't know if like where, like, like you and I, we don't really watch TV anymore. Yeah. It'd be on YouTube for sure. You know, like in even YouTube, like, like they have been become more and more conscious of how they market their commercials based on what you're looking at. So imagine if like, say for instance, you're watching a lot of uh, Disney oriented content on YouTube. I could totally see it being advertised to folks like that, but you and I don't really consume that. Um, so I could see how like that would be a little bit of a, I don't know. I don't know. I'll have to ask my six year old daughter and see if go. she's seen uh, a, I don't know, a marketing blitz. Or, or maybe her little friends have little, little kid marketing, you know what I'm saying, Russ? Could be. Yeah, just step with me into the spoiler elevator, Steve. I have a question for you. Yes, I do eat seaweed. No. But you are somewhere in the vicinity of the ballpark of my question. And that is, what is your favorite Italian dish? Oh, I would have to say... Um, Probably have something to do with tomato sauce and pasta. Some sort of meat in there. Like spaghetti? Um, <laughs> <laughs> you know, actually what I was thinking, I don't want to name the place, but there's a spot franchise, and they, they put a lot of, like, herbs and stuff, and they kind of just rub it all in there. And then they bake all the pasta, so it's got kind of a crust on top. Oh, yeah. Tomato sauce is a little bit less, but they have maybe some... Um, marinara sauce on it possibly a little bit of chicken yeah and um it's all it's pretty good i, I like that that comes to mind russ excellent you uh ever been to italy i have not i i, I hope to someday it's on my ah. bucket list okay i know you have yes i believe yes, what you meant to say was see si. <laughs> no. <laughs> I can't help but notice you did not ask me what you, my uh, favorite Italian dish is, Steve. Yeah, so like it's that, always about you, isn't it? That question was coming. I just decided to ask you something else. Self-absorbed. You don't need anybody, Russ. Come on. I'm dying to tell you. You just eat cereal. Actually, you know what? Can you guess what my favorite Italian dish is? Pizza. No. Snails. No. Escargot rust. I think that's French, actually. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Lobster raviolis, oh, Steve. Oh, man. Lobster raviolis. Ah, boy. Mm. That'll give you some gas. That gives you a whole lot of joy. Is what it gives you. It gives you a joygasm. Good meal. <laughs> 
Oh boy. So, okay, so we are now in spoiler territory. If you haven't seen the film, you may want to pause us and go see it before going any farther. Otherwise, if you don't care, then let us continue. Mm. So in this particular film, I was surprised, Steve. Okay. I was surprised at how the film begins with Luca already being a sea monster. Mm-hmm. It was interesting because when, when we see the, 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 the movie poster itself, they're not making it a secret that he clearly is like, you know, this like human Am- creature. Amphibious. Yes. Right. He's got something, something going on. But I thought it was interesting how, um, instead of waiting like a third through the film or something like that, how actually just right from the beginning, like, like you see Luca in his natural habitat doing his thing. And clearly he's not the only sea monster. There are like his whole family consists of sea monsters. There's a community. They have their own ecosystem down there, their own way of life and so forth. I thought that was kind of interesting, honestly, because like I said, I've been so conditioned as that, like knowing that is supposed to be like the secret, right? Like, Oh, like no, no one can find out. I'm, I'm a sea monster. But they actually introduce us to that right at the beginning and get us used to him just doing his thing, herding around fish, which, by the way, was awesome. <laughs> the fish have that sound. <laughs> that sound like a sheep. Yeah. So what did you think of, of that approach? Uh, you know, in the, I was fine with it. I thought that what how they were going to do it was that... In the trailer, it seemed like they knew they were human until they got in the water. And then they discovered this secret and they kind of wanted to keep it secret. So that's why I thought they were going to go with it. But when the movie started and you're seeing the... Um, uh, Alberto? Alberto. Alberto. Yeah, Alberto. Alberto. And he's jumping out of the water. He's taking some human things, kind of, you know, Little Mermaid style, I guess. Um, well, and, and yeah, let's talk about that in just a minute, but keep going. So, uh, it just kind of threw it at us that, okay, that, you know, he, this is what it is. And, um, it's, they actually caught us up to pace pretty quick because there was a little bit of time that was spent with his family and what his everyday life looks like. And then it just kind of sped up where, um, he meets Alberto and then he jumps out of the water. I mean, that's like in the first probably 15 minutes. Sure. I mean, I'm guessing here. I didn't see the time, but I, that was really early on. And I thought, okay, well, I guess we're done with the water at this point, you know, and we are uh, flopping around like a fish out of water. Mm. And um, <laughs> so anyhow, I, I kind of wanted to, pref- I, I would have liked to have stayed in, maybe in the water a little bit longer, you know? I mean, that's, you know, some amphibious life. It was beautiful underneath there. Sure. So I think they, I think it was a little bit too quick. I would have liked to, to hang out a little bit longer. Well, and I think what, what you brought up something that was interesting that I was wanting to talk to you about as well, nah. which is the fact that I too received the Little Mermaid vibes from the the <laughs> beginning of the film, where it's like you're underwater. There is this sense of community. Um, he's not a mermaid, but there is this whole collection of human things. There's a curiosity of what the human world is like versus his world. Um, I was almost kind of um, expecting him to bust out into song. You know, look at this stuff. Isn't it neat? Wouldn't you say my action is complete? But he didn't do that, Steve. He didn't do that at all. Thank goodness. <laughs> Boy. <laughs> I've seen that m- movie, The Little Mermaid, so many times. So many times. That's what happens when you have a daughter. Yeah. 
You know, I'm no. Yeah, I'm gonna go with it. You know, I'm surprised. <laughs> you know, they they call all the the women Disney princesses. Sure, Ariel wasn't necessarily a princess. Yes, she was. Oh come on! Remember her dad? Oh yeah. Okay, so she had her dad was king, big buff, rough and stuff. Uh, king Poseidon. <sighs> yeah. Okay. Fine. I guess. <laughs> anyway, going back to Luca. yeah. So, yeah, it was really interesting to how... So you had that dynamic. You also had the dynamic of his mother. Mm. And I wanted to get your opinion on this. Yeah. I felt like his mom imbued a lot of the same personality traits as Coco's mom. And what I mean by Coco's mom, it's, I mean, the main character is... Uh, it's not Coco. No. That's the grandmother. What's... Uh, I forget what the, the boy's name is. And apparently he has too. I don't know. But anyway, thinking about his mom. Yeah. Would you say that that like they bear a striking similarity in terms of like how they're both hot headed. They're both like in their son's face. Uh, um, it's like like they love their sons unconditionally. But at the same time, they're they're kind of overbearing. I didn't really see her as overbearing necessarily. Um, but. I got vibes from onward with the dad for sure. Like oh. the, the dad and the mustache and everything. I was, and I thought you guys take some ideas from the last movie you were working on. <laughs> uh, I mean, you know, minus the centaur, uh, I mean the face and, and the mustache and stuff. I just, I just thought, dude, that's like the same guy. Interesting. Yeah. That's what I was getting at. Into the you didn't get that part. Not that one. Hmm. I, I I did not, Steve. All right. I did not. All right. <clears throat> Alberto. Uh-huh. I really liked the, the friendship and the dynamic between Alberto and Luca. I think it, it is so quintessential, like, what goes on at that age. You have a kid who's like trying to like like have this sense of bravado, machismo. You know, thinks like he's got the world figured out and he's got an explanation for everything. And you listen to like his explanations, like for instance, the stars are actually fish. You're like, wait, what? <laughs> but at the same time, it's that sense of imagination that I just love when it comes to children. You know, we've all been there as kids where. We, we've done the same kind of thing of, of, of having that sense of, of exploration and curiosity and just making stuff up as we go along, winging it in, in a very innocent way. And, and kids just buy it. Like, I mean, if you have an answer, the kids are just like, that's, that's, sure, that's, that's totally what it is. And then, you know, like, like a parent later on will all of a sudden be like, no, no, Timmy. That's totally, utterly wrong. Yeah. But I, I just love that. I found myself thinking about how even when we were kids, how there is that, I don't know, it's, it's just a delightful time being that age where you, you want to be able to go out and discover stuff and not only discover, but like, I think what's really cool about what they did in Luca with, with these two boys is like, first of all, we, we discover about how they want a Vespa, right? Like how they, they see the poster of the Vespa. They're like, okay, I, I, you know, we really want to be able to, to get one of these. Let's make one. And how they just take all these pieces of junk and household items that Alberto was able to, to collect over time. And they created like actually several iterations 
of a Vespa and how like, like they didn't even know like, like what a Vespa's purpose was actually supposed to do. And they were doing the whole ramp thing, which again is totally a kid thing to do. You know, when you think of like all the times we played out in the street with the neighborhood kids and everything else, and you make these makeshift ramps and you, I mean, you have who knows what, like barely holding together, but you don't care. I mean, at that age, you're, you're not afraid of this kind of stuff and you just let your imagination run wild and fill in those gaps. Whereas like if we're an adult as, as an adult, it's like we get too caught up in like more of the technicalities of like, like, Oh, that, that's a hunk of junk. Like that, that's not a Vespa. Like, that's such a waste of time. Why would you do that? And, and I, I found myself, reflecting on that about how we as adults have over time, as we've gotten older, we've lost some of that. And and I think we're able to rekindle it to a certain extent as parents. Like when you have children, you suddenly rediscover it to a certain extent, but it's never a hundred percent like to a child, like, like to give you an idea, like real world example. Sure. My daughter has created this fun little game we played called bus stop. And she took, her little table and chairs and push and she put the chairs like there's four chairs, right? So she put a row of two behind the table. And so the table is, is actually like the front hood of the bus. And then we take turns playing the bus driver. And the other person is the person who gets picked up and has to pay to get on. And so there's like, she's placed like stuffed animals in the chairs as other passengers. And you have to tell the bus driver where to go. I mean, to me, I'm looking at it, I'm just like, okay, I'll play along. But to her, it's like she, you can tell that she is being transported into this world that she's conjured up. I just love that. Yeah. And no, I mean, that, that's kind of the, the good and bad part of growing up a little bit is that imagination is magical when you're a little kid. And when you grow up and you find out that your imagination has been lying to you (laughs) the whole time, then, you know, that, that it's just. (laughs) It gets lost. It's very true. It's very true indeed. Were you going to say something? I was going to ask you what you thought of the um, antagonist, I guess, if you will. Although he wasn't, I mean, he's not a villain. He's just the uh, community (laughs) (laughs) a-hole. Yeah, I think his name was Ercole or something like that. Okay, I have got something to tell you, Steve. Do you? He looks just like the chef from Ratatouille, the evil chef. If you think back well, to Ratatouille yeah. and he's French, like, like that the whole thing takes place in Paris and you, and you think of the chef, that face, it's literally like they took the face of the, the evil chef from Ratatouille and used it in Luca. Like everything from like the, the mouth shape I, I, to like the thin yeah. mustache and like, and once again, the hot head, like like some of the glaring looks that he gives. I mean, could you Pompous see this attitude? And yeah. Stuff. No, I I saw it. I saw it mostly like in the in the mouth and like the way he would uh, you know kind of walk a little bit. Yeah, I definitely saw that. But yeah, he was definitely your classic bully, uh, pompous, yeah. like like just you know. I don't even know how old he was. I mean, I, I well, think, they say he was like around 16. Or no, so. he's older. Cause he's like older, he, okay. when he signed up, the woman said, you said you were 16 last year. Right. So he's at least 17, if not 18 or 19 years old. I mean, the dude's like way too old to be competing in this thing. I just thought it was kind of generic for Pixar to just go that route with, you know, the supposed enemy. 
you know, mm. or, or antagonist antagonist. Yeah. Uh, Cause that, that's always like the easy route to go. Like, Oh, we will make a mean all the time. And so therefore you'll hate him. <laughs> you know, but he doesn't have anything really interesting about him. He's just the... He's annoying. He's annoying, and he's the, a fast bike rider, and he's... A you Vespa know, rider, yes. He's a bully with other cronies that look up to him and want to be popular, and that's kind of it, you know? Yeah. No, I mean, I he, he served his purpose. It wasn't anything, like, super... Like, he he was no Gaston. True. I was a big fan of hating Gaston. Going back to the parents for just a moment... I really enjoyed the mom playing soccer. That whole like, like she's trying to figure out which one, which one of the kids is her son. So she ends up playing like soccer. And I really liked the animation, the movement. She, it, it just, it felt authentic to me, but I loved how she had all these different clever ways of getting them splashed with water. Right. I, <laughs> I knew you were going to like that part. I knew you were going to comment on it. Like that's something I would totally do. Like if I was trying to find my daughter, I'm just like, all right, too many kids. All right, let's see what we can do here. And, and she's going through and doing her thing. Oh gosh. That was probably one of my favorite parts in the movie, to be honest. I know. I guess that. Uh, I, I thought it was funny with the, um, the they were like, like tossing water balloons and stuff at the kids. And yeah, that was, that was good too. Funny. Yeah. It, it just had a very, I don't know, the, the, this comical festive vibe when it came to their way of trying to get kids wet. I think they could have went a little bit further though with it. Like, um, I mean, it was almost in the beginning when she was dunking the kids in the, in the fountain. I was like, okay, okay, okay. You know, this is going to be kind of odd with all the other kids' parents. But I thought like maybe, you know, <laughs> they would take the water balloons and just go, ah, oh, kids, it's hot outside. Oh, you cool <laughs> off, cool <laughs> off, cool <laughs> off, cool <laughs> off. Or something. I bet they just were, they, you know, kind of let it go at that point. But I thought that would kind of be funnier. Yeah, absolutely. So, Let's talk a bit about the dynamic or even difference sure, between sure. Alberto and Julia. Because yes. these are the these are the two kids that Luca befriends at different parts of the film. And Julia kind of reminded me of the girl from Up, the uh the wife that passes early on. Remember when they they meet. I remember the wife. Um, they meet, and you know he is he is not as talkative as she is. Right, and so she's really up in his face and kind of yelling and and uh, real high energy, and she's the one pushing him to 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 be better than he is and to get out there and explore. And I need to watch that movie again. I haven't yeah, seen it in years. I forgot what the, her name was, but that that girl reminded me of um, of Up. I see. What? So okay. A couple yes. of things stood out to me regarding the characters. So Alberto, as we come to find out, is a survivor. Uh -huh. So he's he's collecting all these different human types of things. We come to find out that his father left him. We don't even know how long ago, but he clearly is able to fend for himself and survive. Now you compare that to someone like Julia and Julia struck me as more of this tenacious realist, right? So like Alberto is one who, you know, he, he's the one with the bravado. He's the machismo. He's um, got an answer for everything. So like, you know, Luca asks him a question about something and, and he just, he fakes it till he makes it kind of thing. Right. Versus Julia, who she's been going to school, she loves books, she loves to read. Clearly, she's had more of an education, so she's able to 
go into more accurate detail with answering various questions that Luca has. But on top of that too, she's competitive, you know, like, like she wants to be able to win that triathlon or whatever it is that, that they are calling it. And she's got grit, you right. know, like, but it's not to the point of, of being like, like cold hearted or callous or anything like that. She's just, she's got spunk. She's got like yeah. true grit. Well, I mean, she's had, she's had to learn to pick up the pieces or pick up the slack anyway, because she doesn't have a mom and yeah. her father was born with. Actually, um, does she not have a mom or was her mom just away? Well, either way. Like the mom was not present, but I feel like there was a picture in the credits that shows her mom returning. Something. Yeah. But her mom's been away. She's been trying to help out her dad. Her dad yeah. has basically one functioning arm that he's had to... He was born with it. Fish with. Yeah. yeah and do all the household tasks. I love her dad. Her yeah. dad was like one of my favorite characters of the entire movie. Um. So, I mean, yeah, that's... I mean, she has grit. That's that's where it's coming from. Yeah. No, it, it, it's very cool. And I really appreciated also the, the kind of cross-pollination of what happens between the personality types of Luca, Alberto, and Julia when they're all together. Because it brings out certain things in each one of the characters at different times. And so I thought that was actually really fun to like see like, okay, we got these different chemical agents. We're going to mix them up in this beaker or whatever. Let's see what happens. And that actually leads me to also wanting to ask you about what your thoughts are regarding some of the conflicts between um, the three kids, because we notice, and this is always something that we witness when we're children as well, is how kids, they have a hard time dealing with um, selfish feelings, right? Like if there's a new kid on the block or new kid that gets introduced into the group or whatever, and they are clearly jiving with your best bud, how do you deal with that? And as adults, we've been able to, you know, have the capacity to be able to, to like not allow that to affect us as much, at least <laughs> some people. But when it comes to kids, it's much more like simplified and basic. And so I thought it was interesting to see how they like, like for instance, Alberto had this dream of, of going with Luca on this grand adventure on a Vespa and stuff. And how, um, when Julia started to, to, um, really opened the door from an education standpoint to Luca and Luca was fascinated by books and by knowledge and information, that sort of thing. He viewed her as a threat. And so then they, there became this, this uh, rift of sorts going back and forth. And, and, and what I thought was really refreshing about that too, was it wasn't that Julia was cons- like conspiring or scheming to like steal Luca away. She was very innocent in the whole thing. She was right. just like, Oh, you, you don't know about stars. Well, here, let me, let me show you, you know? So once again, there is this constant, um, theme of innocence, like childhood innocence that was shown in different capacities. Right now. I definitely picked up on that and, uh, have been there as a kid <laughs> where I'm like, dude, are you hanging out with me? Like you come over to my house and you're hanging out with a neighbor. What's going on? <laughs> you go home for all I care if that's the case. <laughs> Billy, take my toys and going yeah. home. <laughs> so, but yeah, I, I did pick up on on that, and I'm glad they didn't choose like a, a romantic thing where you know, like you know, early love kind of deal with the girl. I'm glad they they chose the route of platonic friendship. Of friendship, yeah. I mean, here's the new friend, and yeah, the new friend might be given you know one of the guys more attention than the other, but it's not because she's she's interested romantically. It's just that. You know, Luca, in a sense, was 
showing more interest in the stuff that she was learning at school. And yeah. so they had more of a common interest together. And of course, she's going to talk to him more about it. Reverse is Alberto, who was like, yeah, Vespa, wee! You know? <laughs> <laughs> and that's pretty much all he would talk about. I mean, I mean, he was he was probably the stronger of the two anyway. And so he was helping out um, Julia's father a lot more and enjoyed that. But that was more of a connection, again, with Julia's father, not with Julia. Well, and, and even... Speaking of parents, like, for instance, like that was one of the other themes that the the movie explored a bit was the whole parent child relationship. If you think about it, you have Luca, who has um, his parents, as well as even his grandmother. His grandmother was present. And then you compare that to someone like Julia, who all we see is her father. um, But her mother, I believe, was still in the picture, kind of, sort of, but just not represented in the film. She was just kind of gone. And then you have Alberto, whose father abandoned him. What did you think of of those choices of examining those those parent child relationships? Um, I thought it was interesting. I thought it was a bit of a missed opportunity with um, Julia's father, though, because he clearly needed additional help um, that Julia could not provide, and perhaps he wanted a son. Maybe he saw his son in Alberto, and Alberto clearly wanted to stay on land as opposed to return to the sea towards the end of the movie to in order in order to help the guy out. Well, and I, but I think it went farther than that. I think that was one of the m- most endearing moments of the movie, which I actually that was another one of my favorite parts too, was how there was the this kind of unspoken connection that Alberto had with her dad and I think it's safe to assume that like they adopted him. Yeah. I, I would figure or maybe, that. Or, or maybe they didn't. Maybe he just continued to help them out, but he was able to be within like a family setting. Right. Well, what I was going to go, what I was going to say was that I wish there was more time that, that you we saw with Alberto and the dad, daddy pasta. Yeah. And that so, pasta looks so good, by the way, <laughs> because we saw Julia and Luca hang out a bunch. But, you know, what about Alberto? And it was yeah. supposed to be like the three of them. But at the end of the movie, it's not the three of them. It's just the two of them. It's, it's Luca and Julia. And then Alberto's left to do kind of whatever. Mm. So I was kind of hoping for maybe, you know, a couple minutes of um, a little bit extra bonding time, maybe with, sure. with Alberto and the dad instead of just assuming, yep, okay, they're you know they're cool. We all know he's cool, and that's it. Maybe give us a little bit more story. Little uh, pivoting here. I love how we come to find out that the grandmother has been going on land yeah. for years. I figured that was the case. <laughs> yeah, she had her, that, that twinkle in her eye. And, and like throughout the entire movie, I was like, what does she know? Like, what does she got going on there? Is she just easygoing grandma or what? And so it was really fun how like at yeah. the end, like she comes over to the picnic table and the mom's like, mom, what are you doing here? <laughs> yeah. Um, I, I, I think that's also a bit with the different ages with, uh, you know, Luca's age, his parents' age. And then of course uh, the senior age, where I think the seniors have seen a lot more than everybody else, of course. That's a little bit obvious. But they also want and understand the imagination and the desire to keep the imagination preserved as long as possible. And so Luca is obviously, you know, he wants to go up to the surface. He wants to explore. He doesn't want to be, you know, kept down below and just you know, be a, a herder of sheep right. uh, all his life. And so grandma is doing her bit. I and mean, she's going to be 
uh, like the buffer in a way, like, okay, you know, kind of go do your thing. If your mom gets upset, I'll cover for you without actually telling you that I'm going to cover for you. Uh, and so I, I thought that was, that was, uh, that was pretty neat. I, I would have kind of liked a little bit more with her as well, because we find out how cool she is and then there's nothing else that they give us. Yeah. Yeah. So I, and she had like a friend too. We all know nothing about the friend that she's been socializing with. Which I think is fine because I, I like it when there are certain details that are kind of left up to speculation or to the imagination. Like you don't have to reveal every solitary thing, especially if it, if it has no bearing on like what the main plot is about. So I, I I'm cool with that. Another theme that is tried and true. It's classic. It's, it's been used um, in all kinds of films is that it's all about what matters most is what's on the inside, not skin deep. Sure. And, um, and I think they had a fun time with that, with that theme in, in this particular film. I mean, clearly like the antagonist was more the monster than the actual sea monsters themselves. And again, that, that kind of lesson, I, I always give it a pass just because I think generally speaking, when it comes to children's entertainment, it's just a, an important lesson that they learn early on in life that, that you, know, you, you just re, you cannot instill that into them enough. And really, as I'm saying this, there are a lot of adults who need to kind of be gently reminded of that too. Um, and so it's, it's nice to be able to see some of the stuff that they go through with that. When the, the townsfolk realize that they are in fact, sea monsters, um, you have that kind of moment of, uh, you know, uh, disgust and horror and everything else, but then, um, they soon are able to reconcile and that sort of thing. So again, not breaking any new territory by any stretch, but again, at the same time, it's one of those things where it's like, yeah, that's, that's fine. Yeah. That's cool. Yeah. I would say I, towards the end when they reveal, you know, Alberto and Luca reveal themselves uh, to be these sea creatures, not even a monster, but a sea creature. Uh, the only monster looking character in the whole movie was Luca's uncle, uh, you know, who was like that oh sea goodness. urchin or whatever it was. He was like, like one of those deep sea, f- yeah. like angler fish. Angler so, like, fish he had yeah. like one of those uh, little glowy thingies on his head. Dude, that guy was uh. crazy. He's like, ah, oh, you just saw the whale carcass you can eat. It just floats into your mouth. I'm like, did you notice how his skin was like transparent? He, yeah. You could like see his lungs and his heart and his intestines floating around. And I think at one point, like he was having a heart attack or something. Or he, uh, it was his heart just stopped beating. <laughs> his heart was failing. He's like, oh, son, you have to punch him in the heart. And he's like, hmm. <laughs> Luca's like, huh. He's like, oh, no, no. Yeah, well, no, he hit him hard. He was like, no, son, you got to hit yeah, really yeah. Like, <laughs> <laughs> It was just bizarre because the, the character was so ugly and creepy looking and everything else, but yet he was part of the, part of the family. You know, you, you got some of those uh, in every family, I suppose, man. somewhere on the family tree. <laughs> But back to the back to the realization with when, when all the townsfolk see the monsters and they're not monsters. Um, I would have liked, I, you know, it, it was fine the way it happened. But how I think it would have been better is if they would have had like moments of realization, you know, coming or, or leading up to that, where they go like, "What are we so afraid of?" I mean, there. If you look in the water and you see a shark, you're gonna be like. 
man, I'm not getting in the water because that thing is in there, but that's a magnificent looking animal. My gosh. I mean, you could take some, some appreciation of it. Yeah. And there was nothing that in the movie that made, uh, you know, people scared. They were just unknown of what was, what lied on, laid on underneath the surface. And so the whole movie where, where the people are having harpoons and spears and they want to kill a sea monster. And then like within five minutes, like, yeah, cool. I ever like, high five. It's a you kid's know? movie. I, but that's the thing too. Let me ask you that because Pixar has been making movies that both kids and adults can appreciate sure. to different aspects. But yeah. I felt this one was like, a real supposed to be kids movie mm-hmm. as opposed to like Ratatouille or Finding Nemo or even like even Toy Story. Yeah. Or even like A Bug's Life for that matter. Sure. Yeah. I agree. I think I think that th- that's why those films I classify as five-star films. Mm. You know, I think that when it comes to uh, a movie like Luca, Luca has more of a... Um, it sounds bad, but I mean, it's it's more of a basic approach to storytelling, um, what the payoffs are, that sort of thing. It seems to be more focused on children's entertainment, even though there are elements that, I mean, I can still appreciate as a, a parent, as an adult. Um, and I think it, it's more of that introspective um, nostalgia of when I was that age and, and, and going through those things and how I can see that with my own child and, so I, th- I think when it comes to to that quality of the film, I can appreciate that. But it certainly is not, I think, on that same level of being a balance. Like you said, we're like, like the kids are going to be, you know, enjoying it for all the shenanigans and stuff right here. But the film also contains a lot of stuff that goes over the, the children's heads that adults can really consume and be entertained by. Yeah. What is your concluding thoughts and rating of the film? I would say my rating is a two and a half star. Um, oh, he gave a rating even before he gave I his concluding thoughts. I switched up, man. He, he just he just laid it yep. out there. Yeah, he just laid it out. He just <laughs> smacked you in the face with it. Um, so. I mean, we, we've been talking. It's not one of Pixar's best films. And I think that's the, the general consensus if you, you know, read some reviews uh, online. I think everyone has that that same kind of feeling where it's not a bad movie. It's just not as good comparatively to what sure. Pixar ha- has definitely put out. And, 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 and I think it's definitely present, that that whole idea. I would say that the, the, the story is, it is not so much adventurous. It's very chill. And so you're not going to feel really excited any point in the movie at all. You're just going to sit there and you're going to enjoy the beauty of watching Pixar animate the Italian Riviera. And you're going to see, uh, I mean, it's, it's beautiful. It really is colorful and, and whatnot. But um, beyond that, there's just nothing really there. It's really basically kind of generic. I thought the characters were a bit recycled from a lot of other characters that Pixar has used before. The The themes are kind of recycled. It, it wasn't really anything unique or special, um, but it wasn't bad. It's just, I would say, as far as what we're used to with, with Pixar, um, just below average of what of what they can do. Fair enough. Two and a half stars. My, my. Well, I'm going to give you my concluding thoughts and then my rating. Hmm. So, 
I really enjoyed the art direction on this. I got kind of a Wallace and Gromit vibe from the art direction. There was a little bit of that, but I, having said that, I actually really liked the departure of what we've come to kind of re- like Pixar has curated over the years, like, like a very specific style, which is not a bad thing at all because um, I'm a huge fan of what they've done. But it, it, at the same time, having said that it is refreshing that they actually decide to go in, in a very different direction regarding that. I love the setting of um, being in Italy and having the, the, the little townsfolk being able to show off the culture that's there. I'm a huge fan of that when it comes to these types of films, really, when um, depending on where you go. I mean, Ratatouille was another one where like we got to get a, uh, just a, a little glimpse into the, the culture of, of uh, the French. France. Francais. 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 But anyway, like anytime you have that as an opportunity for, for a film, I'm a big fan of. But I agree with you, though, in the sense that um, there there were, were too many coincidences when it when it came to the, some of the characters in terms of like I've seen that character somewhere before. And so that was something that, that did kind of pull me out a little bit from uh, the film. Not entirely so. I did, like I said, the one of the biggest highlights, and, and luckily it was um, really the, the main theme or, uh, for the plot itself, was that this notion of childhood friendship and how, as a, as a kid, you have this sense of um, imagination, exploration. You, you literally just want to have fun with your friends. And, and, and when you're that age, too, you just kind of become Insta buddies, you know, like you see a kid, you start talking to him. Hey, and then before you know it, like you're hanging out every day. Like that was something that, uh, was really fun as a child. Um, but having said that, like, like I, I mentioned earlier in the, in the program as well, I think that there are not enough memorable moments that are on like the Pixar level. Like if you look at certain types of Pixar films that we've all watched and loved over the years, there are just not enough of those moments in this film to warrant the the same type of rating that I would give other types of, of Pixar films, which I mean, for the most part are five stars. Having said that, I would say I would give Luca 3.5 stars just simply because I did enjoy the movie. I thought it was a very beautiful movie. The, I mean, the, the graphics continue to just <laughs> blow my mind. Um, the animations were, were wonderful. Um, the, the story itself was fun, even though there were like, like we talked about, they seem to like borrow too many elements from previous Disney or Pixar films and that sort of thing. So I do hope they make a sequel. If they make a sequel, I, I would be totally willing to check it out. And I definitely recommend, you know, if you've got kids out there or even if, if you're a Pixar fan, if you want to watch it, you're not going to waste your time. I think, I think it is a fun movie. Just make sure you understand that it's not going to be at a level that your favorite Pixar films are like. Having said that, that wraps up this episode of Joygasm. Thanks for hanging out with us. If you enjoyed this episode, we invite you to check out patreon.com slash joygasm. You'll get exclusive perks and early access to the show, not to mention it financially helps us continue doing what we love to do. Also, make sure you tickle that subscribe button and poke that notification bell on YouTube. That way you will not miss out on a single episode of Joygasm that gets released once a week. And by the way, if you're on social media, do a search for Joygasm TV 
And uh, consider following us, liking us. And what else, Steve? Subscribing on YouTube. No, I, I, I just said that. Making a comment. There you go. Maybe one of the two. <laughs> Making comments. We love feedback. Ah. We'd love to hear your thoughts on whether or not you liked Luca. If you think that you agree with what we had to say in this particular episode, if you think we're nuts, doesn't matter. We'd love to hear from you. Last but not least, do a search on Twitch to see us stream our gaming adventures live every Wednesday night at 9.30 p.m. Central Time. We will look forward to hanging out with all of you once again next week.